following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. It is Monday, October 8th. I'm Josh Dunn. I am joined by Dan Bauer and Anshu Khanna. Uh, first, we'll start with Dan. How you feeling? Obviously, your Brownies with a huge overtime victory. I'm sure you're elated. Yeah, nice to come out on the good side of an overtime game here. Uh, it hasn't necessarily always been the case all year. And the first victory Sunday here in Cleveland in 1,000-plus days, which is just absurd and a, a very surreal moment right now. Yeah, I feel like every game you guys play goes into overtime. Also have Anchu Kana. Anchu. How are you this evening? Uh, not super great, but we'll power through it. Hopefully uh, I do better than Mason Crosby did today. Yeah, not a great day for, for Crosby. Really not a great day for kickers around the league. But let's start with Dan's Browns. Uh, let's give him his moment. The Browns improved to 2-2-1. and one. They beat the Ravens, who fall to 3-2. and two. And really, this is a huge win for the Browns. It was a pretty pathetic game offensively from both teams. But for them to be able to seal it in overtime as time expired, they get the field goal that barely goes in. It looks like a shank, but it ends up going through. And they get this game. I know you kind of briefly touched on it, Dan, but I'll start with you. Baker Mayfield with over 300 yards and a touchdown in this one. The Browns really able to get it done when it mattered, and their defense really steps up in overtime uh, to shut down Joe Flacco and the Ravens to pull this one off. So what does this mean not only for Browns fans as they improve to 2-2-1 and and having their best season in a while, but also you know, what does it do for this Browns team moving forward as they kind of sit there in the thick of things in the AFC North? Yeah, it, it saves the season, and I know it sounds hyperbolic, but I had said uh, when we were previewing on Friday's show that uh, that Raiders' loss, I think, was just going to kill this team from a locker room perspective, from a fan experience perspective, from the noise in the stadium perspective. It was going to be detrimental to this team, uh, but they rebounded. I mean, credit to them, especially after Baker throws an early pick. That game could have gone downhill really fast. He rebounds. Obviously, you mentioned it over 300 yards today, uh, and some absolutely huge throws on a third and tens, third and twelves, third and fifteens, making completions to guys you wouldn't even necessarily expect uh, to get big catches. And an absolute shout out to him. Defense plays great. Denzel Ward with another pick, a blocked field goal, and well on his way to defensive rookie of the year. This team is clicking, and you said it right in the thick of it in the AFC North. I, I hand up, I do admit, I was looking at wild cards, AFC wild card standings. Uh, Could have been a couple of. Uh, great Cleveland brewery beers that had a little effect on that, but um, it's, it's fun again, uh, which is much needed in Cleveland after these Indians, the past couple of days. 
Yeah, maybe a bit premature as you guys still do have a tie for last place in the division as well uh, as being in the thick of things. But, hey, I, I will admit, though, I am proud of this Browns team for pulling this one off. Obviously, as a Bengals fan, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see the Browns knock off the Ravens. But, aren't you? you're a third party here. You don't really have any skin in the game when it comes to the AFC North. What does this do for this Browns team? I mean, they moved to 2-2-1. and They're now tied with the Steelers. They have the same record as your Packers, which we'll get to, but... Uh, what do you think of this Browns team? Obviously, they're staying with teams in games, but do you see them as a threat, really, in the AFC at all when it comes to kind of the wild card picture? Obviously, it's too early to really talk about that, uh, but where do you see this team going as this season starts to kind of figure itself out? Yeah, I mean, just on paper, like, this team could definitely make a wild card spot. I don't want to get see Dan get too big for his britches here, but I, I don't fault you, Dan, for looking at those standings because – while I don't think the AFC North division is really in the, is a realistic goal for this season, I mean, I, I think that they can absolutely crash the playoff party, and then I guess you never really know. But I, I, just on paper, their defense today, every time I looked up, it felt like they were getting home on Joe Flacco. They were, I thought that they looked much better than a Ravens team that actually had been surprisingly decent throughout the first four weeks of the season. So kudos to the Browns. They're, they are a different team at home. That crowd clearly reinvigorates them. They are so behind Baker Mayfield. And like you said, Josh, he goes for 340-plus yards passing. I mean, the guy is just a difference maker. And you wonder, had he started the season instead of Tyrod Taylor, if this team maybe has an extra win in its back pocket. So, you know, pretty impressive. Uh, again, don't want to get any Browns fans' heads too big yet, but – um, I think that they can at least start to dream of potentially playing football in January. Which would be a huge step in the right direction, obviously. Let's stay in the AFC North. There were two other games. We're not going to talk too much about the Steelers, but they get a big win, 41-17 to at home against the Falcons, who are really reeling, and that defense looks terrible. But the, the Steelers improved to 2-2-1 and on the season. They get their first win at home, uh, really doing everything. You know, James Conner has a huge game. Antonio Brown has two touchdowns. Don't want to get too involved with Steelers during Steelers week, but that is a big win for the Steelers team. Uh, but let's stick with zero bias. I've got my Bengals who were able to come out after being down 17-0. Uh, they score 24 points in the fourth quarter in this one to win a game at home, to stay undefeated at home, and to improve to 4-1 and on the season. Uh, two pick sixes, which were really you know, kind of fluky plays that one hit off the helmet, and then Michael Johnson's behind the quarterback and returns it for six, and then Sam Hubbard grabs one after Dunlap knocks it away uh, to return that for six, which seals it for the Bengals. But uh, this this Bengals defense looks resilient in this one, and aren't you? I'm starting to become a believer, but obviously the biggest one is the week ahead. But what did you see out of this Bengals team to be able to come from behind and beat a Dolphins team that was in their own right 3-1 and one in division leaders themselves? Yeah, I mean, uh, we talked a lot about how the Dolphins were not as good as their record through those first three weeks. Dan brought it up as well on the last show. I mean, I, I think that the Bengals these last two weeks have done what they should do. I, first of all, going on the road and beating Atlanta is not easy ever. I know that they're only 1-4, and four, but they, that's another team who's, you know, their record doesn't define what they are. They're probably a little better than that. But they, these last two weeks are not games the Bengals would have won last year, just flat out. I, I hate making comments like that generally, but – you know, the way that they, the resiliency, like you said, that they've shown these last two weeks, the way this offense, you know, has been clicking. And, you know, the defense is just making plays. And, and when you're a decent team, this stuff tends to be, you know, the inertia carries you. And I feel like this Bengals team kind of has that that thing about them right now. Now it's early, but, you know, it does feel like the Bengals are well in control right now. 
Yeah, they lose Bernard. Uh, obviously, he's out two to four weeks with the MCL sprain, but they get Joe Mixon back, and Mixon really was, was the good. difference maker. And honestly, the the game change uh, really when when Mixon catches the touchdown pass where he comes back out of the end zone to catch it at the two yard line and, <laughs> and runs so it in. Ridiculous. And Dalton's going yeah. down, getting sacked at that point, kind of throws a prayer up and has enough faith in Mixon to be able to reel it in. So Dan, I've got to ask you: you're in the division, you're rooting for the Browns, but you know, it, for this Bengals team, I mean, does it worry? Do you think they're for real? Do you think they can hold on to this division lead? Or do you think that this is going to end up kind of evening itself out as this season starts to wear on? No, I absolutely think that this is a team who's going to run away with the division. I was high on them from the start. I mean, you you were the one who was much more pessimistic about them as, you know, on some level – their past has shown that you should be, but if their defense can play like they did today and continue to make turnovers and create points, this is a team that is going to be very, very difficult to beat. So I do think they're going to run away with it. I We've talked a lot about how we just don't think the Steelers are quite up to snuff as what they've been in years past. Um, and this Ravens team, the Browns exposed it today, very weak, especially on that offensive line. Miles Garrett and Larry Ogunjobi were just throwing offensive tackles into Joe Flacco all day. So if the Ravens don't figure out their offensive line, especially with the talent that the Bengals have uh, on their front seven, this is going to be a team that uh, the Bengals are going to be a tough team to beat. I will say, Josh, the next three weeks, Pittsburgh, as you know, you said Steelers, like Pittsburgh at Kansas City, Tampa, then they go to the bye. If they go two and one in those three, I think – you know, you don't want to count your chickens too much, but I definitely think you can start thinking about, you know, an AFC North crown. Yeah, but on, on the way to 2-1, and one, you have to get through the next one. And this this Steelers game is the That's one right. that, that, that proves if this team is for real. And A.J. Green sets the record for most 100-yards games in Bengals history with 32 in this game. He has another big outing, but he really wasn't, you know, he wasn't flashy. He made some big catches, but... You know, this Bengals team, they can beat you a lot of different ways, and I'm excited to see that. But I was extremely excited to see the defense step up in big moments today. And that was the difference in this one as they win it 27-17. to 17. I'm excited to see what happens next week, but I'm also very nervous and cautiously optimistic that they can keep this going because they have won some close games. I mean, dating even back to week one where they get that kind of – fluky win against the Colts where Carlos Dunlap gets that pick six and you know that's kind of been what this Bengals team has been doing to get big wins and they do it again today and don't get me wrong I love it but Andy Dalton doesn't have to be spectacular today he throws a pick on their first drive that looks like they're going in for a touchdown the momentum completely changes at that point and they're able to be resilient after being down 14 nothing at halftime giving up a punt return for a touchdown throwing an interception uh, to win this one and you know it it, it doesn't show up so much on a stat sheet, but that defensive line was just so disruptive in that second half. You have Tannehill throwing up prayers in the second half, and it's really because of the pressure that was put on him. Geno Atkins, you know, he, he proved that he was worth that contract with two sacks, but he also was in the backfield pretty much every play. Couldn't be stopped. Uh, so happy to see the Bengals pull this one off. Um, but, yeah, like I said, it's going to be interesting because the Steelers are coming to, to Cincinnati this coming week, and that's going to be the game in my opinion, that proves things. I'm just going to run a few through a couple of the other scores in the early games. You know, if you guys want to touch on anything, obviously feel free. But uh, we had the Bills upsetting the Titans. I don't think a lot of people saw this coming, but maybe this Bills team's not as bad as everybody thought they were. The Chiefs are able to take care of business against the Jaguars, and I think that kind of poses the question whether or not this Jaguars team's for real. 
The Jets look to be for real. They they have an offensive explosion, which I don't think anybody expected. They went at 34-16 at home against the Broncos. The Panthers went it with a 63-yard field goal, 33-31 against the Giants. Odell Beckham and all the drama there is starting to get a little bit out of hand. Uh, but any of these early games, uh, aside from the ones that we've already touched on, and obviously your Packers on you, I don't know if you want to talk about it, but the, the Lions jump out to a big lead early on, and then Aaron Rodgers does everything he can to throw for over 440 yards and three touchdowns to pull him back into it. But obviously banged up at the receiver position. They're not able to come back and win this one. Uh, but they did show some resiliency toward this, uh, down the stretch. Was there anything else here in these early games that struck you? Uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, the Packers just, I don't mind bringing up the fact that, you know, you miss five field goals, you're not going to win a game flat out. And including a Mace extra point, it, Mason Crosby had never missed as many as three field goals in a game his long career uh, in the NFL. And, you know, to have that happen, obviously, is terrible. Um, those are a lot of empty yards for Rodgers. I, I, he did not play that well at all. I, I Still think that he's very banged up. I mean, he just looks off in every way. Uh, obviously, he got a little bit going there with some of his rookie receivers in the second half, but it was far too little too late. And, uh, you know, it just it's just one of those games you got to chalk up. As, I, I thought it was kind of a fluke. I, I'm not buying that Lions team, to be honest. But Packers have a lot of work to do to uh, re-maintain themselves as a contender. Um reestablish at least but yeah and then the other one i you know the bills game is just weird man like the titans we've talked about them as a just a really interesting team that seemed to kind of have its stuff together they explode last week um you know they had beaten the jaguars on the road like just a an, really a surprising team and then suddenly they go to buffalo and this is a bills team that got shut out by the packers last week 22 nothing like what do you do with these bills this this game is one of the most confusing games i've seen all season just along with another bills game that bills vikings game um so you know that that game is just weird i think that as fans of afc teams you guys should be happy to see this because the titans were a team i was looking at as one that could be really ramping up to uh, a big win total as the season wore on and now obviously you have to look at them as a, a huge question mark um so i thought that was just the strangest game of the morning slate yeah, it was. It was interesting. They win it with a game-winning field goal to win it uh, just by 1-13-12. But, Dan, let's talk about the late games, too. So the Vikings get a big one against the Eagles. Uh, they really pulled out uh, to a large lead in this one, and then they were able to hold on down the stretch. Uh, the Cardinals beat the 49ers 28-18 to as the underdog on the road. Uh, the Rams win a tight one against the Seahawks. The Seahawks were in control and kind of let this one slip away. And then the Chargers are able to take care of business against the Raiders, who definitely don't look for real at this point. And Phillip Rivers is doing a pretty good job to keep uh, this Chargers team in contention as they're now 3-2 and two as well. Were there any games here in these uh, 3 o'clock late games or 4 o'clock on the East Coast time uh, that stood out to you as something that, uh, that caught your eye? Yeah, I got a chance to watch a good chunk of the Vikings-Eagles game, and what stands out to me was a little bit of a Kirk Cousins just redemption game. I mean, he goes 30 for 37 uh, with a TD in that game, and they get a big win to, uh, on some level, save their season, right? I mean, we've talked about that NFC North and and just how tough that division's going to be for anyone to pull away. So uh, Minnesota needed the window to stay in that. I mean, to, if they would have dropped to uh, 1-3-1, and one, you know, it was a whole different ballgame than 2-2. Two, two, and one, especially with a with a Packers loss in Detroit, getting a win, so that was big. And, and Kirk Cousins made some big throws when he needed to, right? And similar to the Baker Mayfield in the in the Browns game, I mean, he he made some big throws and he iced it when he needed to. And so that Minnesota team keeping pace and Philadelphia just 
it's so weird to think that they're two and three and to come off a Super Bowl and to have a worse. If anybody would have said through five weeks, are the Eagles going to have a worse record than the Cleveland Browns? Nobody would have taken that bet. Um, and so Philadelphia needs to figure out what they're doing. And and maybe Carson Wentz isn't fully healthy or I don't know what it is, but that team is going to need to figure out a way to put up more points. Yeah, I was. it's interesting to see the Eagles where they're at, but the Vikings, you know, they have been kind of wishy-washy back and forth. Nobody knows what to expect out of them. But I thought that line was, you know, a little bit, uh, a little bit interesting to see them. Them that they think they were three and a half point underdogs in this one. But the one that mm-hmm. the one that stood out to me was the Seahawks really letting one slip as they were kind of in control most of this game. Their running game was they were running in the ball all over the Rams, and the Rams were able to take it away down the stretch. They were able to, you know, obviously get Gurley going and. You know, he has a huge game in this one to, to seal it for the Seahawks. And, you know, Goff showing some emotion, getting that fourth down conversion to seal the game at the end. Um, aren't you anything here on the late games that stood out to you? And obviously this uh, battle of Texas still going on and tied up as uh, they're they're getting closer to the end of this game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, I, you're right about that Seahawks game. And it was interesting because originally Sean McVay sends his punter out on that fourth and in inches. And then uh, they call a timeout. I'm sorry, the Seahawks actually call a timeout, surprisingly. Um, then McVeigh pulls the punter off the field, throws Goff in there. Goff, like you said, gets the first, shows some emotion. I mean, they've just got everything rolling for them right now. They did not. It was kind of a sloppy game, but you know that that Rams defense right now is not what it's going to be in a few weeks. I don't think they'll they'll get their stuff together. Wade Phillips is arguably the best defensive coordinator in the league. Um, you know, they'll just be fine. And and the way that McVeigh has the pulse of that team, but they still just managed to look so good. Todd Gurley another three touchdowns. I mean, they're just they're they just seem so much better than every night. I know that Kansas City goes to New England next Sunday night. That is an absolute must watch for everyone. But I mean, I think those two teams are playing for second place right now um, in the hierarchy. It just feels like the Rams are going to go on. You know, I think I, I truly believe they've got a shot at winning 16 games a season. Yeah, what a gauntlet for the Kansas City Chiefs. So they they, they take yeah. on Jacksonville, who obviously loses to the Patriots in the AFC Championship last year. They take on the Patriots this coming week, and then they go to the Bengals, who have the second-best mm-hmm. record in the AFC uh, the week after that. I might be in Kansas City. I might be wrong about that. But either way, that is a tough stretch for the Kansas City Chiefs, but they're 1-0 in that stretch so far. So we'll see how that pans out. Real quick, before we get to baseball, I just want to hear your guys' thoughts on this Monday night game. Uh, The Redskins will go to the Saints. These are two teams that I think are punching above their weight class right now. The Saints get a couple lucky ones. They're 3-1. They're at home. They take on the Redskins. Uh, Anshi, we'll start with you. Who do you see winning this one quickly? Uh, Saints are six-point favorites, but the Skins have had a full week off, or two weeks off, I guess, are coming off their bye, and remember the last time we saw them, they were running roughshod on the Packers at home, so I I think that this game's going to be closer than that, but I will never pick against the Saints in the Superdome in a primetime game, so give me the Saints, but I think six points is, is quite a large line for that one. Dan? I'll take the opposite. I actually think Washington has a chance to win this. That Saints team, we've talked about it all year, of their defensive struggles. Adrian Peterson with his a little bit of a resurgence uh, in his career. Uh, I think Washington can do it. So I'm going to call for the upset. I'm going to say that the Redskins go down to New Orleans and get a win. Wow. I, I think the Saints are going to cover. I think the Redskins are a fraud. I think that, that game against the Packers just a lot, had a lot to do with their secondary and, and the Packers just playing kind of a, a terrible game. It was Rodgers' worst game health-wise, I think. You could kind of see him hobbling around most of that mm-hmm. game. and It was, it was noticeable. It, yeah, and it, it, the weather didn't help either. So I, I think the... 
I think the Redskins are a fraud. I think the Saints are going to run away with this one. I think this could be one of the biggest blowouts of the weekend. But wow, hey, we're, we're, we're all on opposite sides of that one. I, I just I, the Reds. I'm not. I'm just not buying the Redskins at two and one. I don't think they're great. I, I do think that they, like you said, I think uh, Adrian Peterson has had a resurgence. They're getting Chris Thompson the ball out of the backfield, so they have interesting weapons on the offensive side of the ball. But you know, I don't know about Alex Smith, and I think Drew Brees is going to go off at home here and have a big game. But uh, you know, that's why we have fun picking them. We want to see what transpires, and one of us is going to be right, and two of us are going to be wrong. So uh, let's. It's let's, probably going to be Dan. That's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. <laughs> when is he wrong? Never. Uh, exactly. So. so. <laughs> Speaking of never being wrong, I know you guys both picked uh, the Tribe to win the World oh. Series this year. That pick is not looking so good. And obviously, you know, Dan, you're you're high on your Brownies right now, but probably not so high on your Cleveland Indians. They are now down 2 nothing in the series. Obviously, both of those games on the road at Houston. Um, but I got to hear, you know, where you're at in this series. Do you think there's a realistic uh, possibility that they can come back and pull this thing off? Or do you think being down 2-0 is too much of a hole to climb out of? Uh, 2-0, too much of a hole for sure. This team looks like they've never played baseball before. I mean, that's... that's Offensively, yeah. Yeah, I mean, at the plate, this team looks like no one's ever swung a bat that they're, you know, someone needs to go back and watch some Tom Amansky instructional videos or something (laughs) because it is terrible. Jose Ramirez has done nothing. His last 10 postseason games, he's 2 for 27, doesn't have a single extra base hit. Um, it, it is just absurd what they're doing. Francisco Lindor finally gets a big hit, gets a home run on Saturday and, and a knock as well on Friday. So he's coming around a little bit. Uh, but Alonzo looks terrible at the plate. Encarnacion has disappeared again. Um, guys are just – it's not even making contact. Uh, I mean, Jason Kipnis is arguably making your best contact just by fouling balls off left and right. And that doesn't say a lot for your team. So – I just I, I don't see a way that they come back. Keuchel always pitches well against us. The Indians, not great against him, and so I just don't feel great. Uh, you know, anything can happen. We've seen it before. Obviously, we've seen big, big uh, leads blown by the Indians before. So um, it can happen the other way too. I just I don't see it happening. Wow, aren't you any any thoughts there? I mean, obviously this was a team that was a sexy pick for for winning the World Series, but then again the Astros were as well and. You know, one of the strengths for the, both of these teams really coming in was the starting pitching. But, you know, the Astros have looked like the team that has the better starting pitching, surprisingly enough. And, you know, I I, I agree with Dan, unfortunately. I think the Tribe looks like they're probably going to go down in this one. But do you have any hope going forward? Uh, I mean, I don't want to pile on too much here because it's been it's been tough to watch because, I, you know, I, I also have a lot uh, at stake here with the Indians, so to speak. And uh I, I mean, I just I did not see them not being able to get at the two starters, the the Verlander and Cole matchups. I thought were okay for the Indians the way that their lineup is stacked with Donaldson now, and you know obviously Encarnacion and all those guys that Dan talked about. But the fact is, look, the Astros have only beyond their two starters who are awesome. They've only pitched three other guys. They pitched McCullers for one inning in Game One, one meaningless inning, and then they've gone Presley and Osuna both games and. The Indians have have gotten to Presley. They've done nothing to us, you know. Like I mean, that leaves a ton of arms left for the Astros. They're basically at full, you know. They're they're ready to go with anybody they need if the game's close down the stretch. And neither of these games, well, I guess the second one has been. The first one certainly wasn't. So that means they've got a ton of high leverage arms at their disposal. Even if the Indians were to win one, they're ready to go with their other guys for Game Four if that were to happen. Um, so that you know the the. Uh, 
cards are stacked against them, but you know, like Dan said, it's going to be Keuchel. And I think that even though the Indians haven't been good against him, that doesn't mean they can't get at him. I, I just don't know how they win three in a row. Just the way that the, eh, the Astros look, the way they're hitting, the way they're pitching, they just look so, you know, they just look like a fine fit, like, you know, a well-oiled machine right now. It's unfortunate. The timing's just poor. Yeah, it seems like things are clicking on both sides. Obviously, they have a lot of firepower on the offensive side of the the, the diamond, I guess you could say. But uh, the pitching's what uh, they're really surprising me with. And, yeah, it's going to be tough. Cole Kai, was Kai, unreal. Cole was great. Uh, Verlander was great. But, you know, I, it's tough because Keiko hasn't had the most consistent year. But you just never know which Keiko you're going to get. He could come out and look like ace caliber pitcher and he can come out and kind of get knocked around speaking of people who got True. knocked around david price only goes one uh and two-thirds innings uh against the yankees who pull even aaron judge looks like he's back to full health and he hits a home run in this one a two-run shot to kind of put the the yankees in front for good um you i i know this series is interesting it's now even at one-to-one boston has been kind of the the class of the al but this yankees team they look very ready for the challenge they look up for it do you think the yankees can pull off the upset against boston yeah and i'm not sure how much of an upset it'll be i mean they're big favorites in game three against nate yavaldi and then you know they throw severino your boy in game three and then who knows game four whoever it'll be i don't think it's going to be sale um so that could be a closeout situation really and and man the yankees are just so good and again they have so many guys out of the pen that you're like how do we get hits off of Zach Britton? How do we get hits off of Aroldis Chapman? How do we get hits off of, you know, on and on every single guy that they, Robertson, every guy down the line they've got, it's tough, but the Red Sox are so loaded too in their, in their lineup. The the, the big difference is the Red Sox bullpen is a, just an unbelievable disaster. And I just don't think that they can get outs on the Yankees um, without giving up runs. So I, I think the Yankees are going to win this series. And if that sets up Yankees Astros, it's going to be a real interesting uh, showdown. Absolutely. Uh, let's move over to the NL, though. So your Brewers, I know this is your NL team, aren't you? Uh, they are looking true to form. I mean, this is the best Brewers team we've seen in the last several years, obviously, but their offense is on fire. The pitching is, I think, light years ahead of what we expected, out of, especially the starting pitching. They've got a good bullpen, uh, but the Rockies just couldn't get things done offensively in this series. It seemed like they kind of just hit a wall. Uh, obviously, it's a sweep now. Uh, Milwaukee is able to, to to pull this one out. Do you think this Milwaukee team is a legitimate contender to win the World Series? Uh, man, I, I no, I don't, because you look at the teams we've discussed. I mean, the Astros and the Indians even and, and the Yankees, I just don't see. Even the Dodgers, who we haven't talked about too much, looks like they're, you know, they're unlikely to win here tonight. But, um, you know, the, the fact is they shut out the Rockies at in at Coors Field. I know the Rockies offense hasn't been much to write home about, but the way the Brewers are playing right now, you want to talk about well-oiled machines. That team is playing to 100% of its capability right now. Like, you know, you look at their pitching staff, and I, I'm legitimately, I don't know that more than one guy on that staff could be playing for the Astros or maybe even the Indians, but definitely the Astros. And yet, here they are blanking the Rockies and, you know, doing what they've done. So, um, you know, I, I definitely wouldn't rule out a pennant cha- championship, but I just don't see how they beat one of those AL teams. Yeah, Dan, I, I, the, the, the Brewers, like like uh, Anshu kind of touched on, I, it's 
it's it's a it's a good timing thing, but they're going to run into a wall regardless of whether or not they play this young Braves team or the Dodgers. The Dodgers still up 2-0 in this series, but Atlanta's got a 6-5 lead. Uh, you know, this is uh, Ronald Acuna becomes the youngest person to hit a grand slam in the playoffs at 20 years old, uh, grand slam early, and then the Dodgers come back. It looks like the Dodgers probably still in control of this series, but uh, what do you think, Dan? I mean, do you think this, this Milwaukee team can be a threat to the Dodgers if they end up winning this series? Oh, absolutely. I think they're a threat to the Dodgers. I would agree. I don't think they're a threat to anybody in the American League. But uh, I, I definitely think, I mean, you saw the Dodgers, some weaknesses today. I mean, Bueller has a, a terrible game. Uh, and mm-hmm. there's no, you know, Kershaw is just such a hit or miss guy in the playoffs as well. I mean, obviously as an unreal outing here over the weekend, but the chance that you get just continual a elite Kershaw for an entire playoff series isn't all that great. So if he's got an off day against the Brewers or two, all of a sudden this is a team that I, I think could absolutely make uh, make a World Series. And it's also it's it's a little bit of that team of destiny thing. Baseball, unlike some other sports, I feel has a little bit of that team of destiny uh, kind of edge when it comes to a playoff run, uh, similar to the Cubs doing it in 2016 and even the Indians as well. Of uh, just it felt like you could do no wrong, and that's kind of what I feel like of the Brewers. That no matter what happens, someone's going to come up with a big hit. I, I mean, their, their game today, you know, you got a big hit out of Shaw, but other than that, uh, a, a lot of their hits came from guys you wouldn't necessarily expect. So I think they have that team of destiny thing going. Yeah, it's starting to get uh, to crunch time. We're going to see who, who comes out on top in uh, these these DLS series, but uh, we'll be touching on that as the week wears on. But I did want to get to our O, oh, by the ways. I'll start. This was an interesting weekend. We don't talk a ton about college football on this show, but we had some good games here this weekend. Uh, Texas A&M with a big upset against Kentucky. Kentucky hits one off the goalpost that uh, has an opportunity to put them ahead in overtime. Texas A&M seals it with the touchdown. Uh, and then Texas, the other the other Texas team, they're able to get a huge win on the road. Uh, well, I think it was a neutral site yeah. actually, but yeah. uh, Texas shootout. Beat, Texas beats Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry. We don't we don't talk about the shootout oh, anymore. That's we're, a we're a very we're a very PC NCAA uh, football <laughs> these days. But Texas now jumps from 19 to number nine in the AP poll. That's the highest they've been as long back as I can remember, uh, but I remember enjoying a great uh, great game in Austin with the two of you for Anchu's bachelor party, so I just wanted to touch on the fact that the, the Texas Longhorns could be back. I mean, they did lose to Maryland, but they're 5-1 and one and 3-0 and oh in the Big 12 this year so far, so uh, it's nice to see the Longhorns doing a little bit of work again. Anchu, what do you have for oh, by the way, tonight? Yeah, that was uh... – I appreciate that shout out. That was pretty much the greatest weekend of all time. But yeah, so I, I'm going to give a little shout out to Dan here. Um, I actually watched a little bit of hockey tonight briefly and the Chicago Blackhawks so were playing the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> and uh, there were uh, the Hawks were down five, four with a minute and a half left. And then Patrick Kane scores to tie it. Austin Matthews comes right back, scores. So it's six, five. Then Kane scores again. So in the last 90 seconds, there were three goals, the game tire, then the go ahead, then another game tire. And then in overtime, 19 seconds into overtime, the Leafs, unfortunately, pull it out at the United Center. But hockey is back. 
for Dan and the other like four fans out there. So uh, <laughs> good to see that. It was it was actually a really electric game. It so. was. It was back Shout and forth. The yeah, the, 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 the Hawks got up two nothing early, and then it was just back and forth, back and forth after that. So yeah, I, I mean when when you're watching hockey and there's games like that, it's fun, especially when some of those uh, some of those later games weren't the best in the NFL today. Uh, but Dan, I know you were yeah. watching that closely. The Hawks now two zero and one on the season. But but what do you have for us, Ro? By the way, since we stole the two things that you were probably going to talk about. <laughs> I know. Uh, so I'm going to do a little bit of a throwback myself. I haven't given you guys a good fun fact in a while for my, oh, by the way. So you I'm made out with your back. sister? <laughs> Here's <laughs> a fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Great movie. Very yeah, uh, wasn't expecting that response. Uh, but anyway, so the if you ever wondered where the middle finger came from, it became popularized in America uh, in the 1890s. Uh, first documented case when a pitcher from the Boston Bean Eaters Flipped off the entire Giants squad, uh, and that's when the middle finger became popular. So thanks to baseball wow. for that one, uh, and I'm probably going to throw up a lot of those middle fingers tomorrow as I watch my teams, uh <laughs> get bounced out of the past. Yeah, just imagine. Uh, Earl Thomas would never have been Earl able Tom. to flip off his entire sideline if it wasn't for the Bean Eaters, which is probably not going to fly in today's sports world for a team to be called the Bean Eaters. <laughs> Um, but hey, we still have the Cleveland Indians, so we'll see. Uh, True. Anything from either of you guys to add for the good of the group, Dan? Anything you wanted to just throw out there? I know you you mentioned that uh, you think that your Indians could could lose, but give us some positive energy as we look to them to try to get this season, season, uh, series back to even. Well, statistically, we can't continue to be this bad, so it's, it can only <laughs> go up from here for the Indians hitters. So, real tribe, uh, one last uh, one last push here over the next couple of days. We're pulling for you, buddy. Anything on you? No, I, I agree, Dan. Good luck, and uh, good luck to my wallet as well. I like it. Uh, well, it is Steelers week, so I'm just going to say uh, I hate you, and I hope that uh, this week goes according <laughs> to plan for us Bengals fans. But uh, if there are Steelers yeah, fans okay. out there, uh, competitive, let's do this thing. Uh, but uh, for Anshu Khanna and Dan Bauer, I'm Josh Dunn. This has been our favorite day, Monday edition of The Leftovers, as we recap some NFL. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday.